morning, folks. It's time for Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show about the crucial political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and the nation at large. Join us for a stimulating, thought-provoking discussion. You'll get the facts as we focus on the challenges facing everyone. Good morning, folks. Steve Williamson here. Um, Karen McClellan is joining me today, and we're interviewing a candidate for uh, the Corporation Commission. Um, Every time there's an election, we explain what the Corporation Commission is and why it's important and why it's sometimes called the fourth um, part of government, fourth uh, section of government. It is independent of the legislature, right, and the executive, Karen, and 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 also the judiciary. It's a completely independent thing. So would you introduce our guest, please? Yeah, today we've got uh, Lauren Kuby, who's running for the Corporation Commission. Um, Lauren's currently a city council member in Tempe. She's also a social scientist who works at ASU in research and, among other things, called working on areas around affordable housing, which we know is another important topic for all of us here. Um, Lauren also, as city council member, was one of the people who pushed for a ban on plastic bags in Tempe, which aroused the interest of the legislature in micromanaging <laughs> what cities and towns do. So she's got a lot of, it, of things that sort of resonate with us up here in northern Arizona on dealing with the state government. Um, it certainly resonates with people in Sedona, the state legislature. <laughs> magnificently interfering with what we're trying to do and causing a lot of damage to our city with, and in our case, with uh, with short-term rentals. Yeah. yeah, and we know we've got a lot of people up here always interested in the issues of alternate energy, and it's the Arizona Corporation Commission, among its other things, that regulates utilities in Arizona. So if maybe Lauren could start out by just saying a few words about herself and then a little bit of why she thinks it's so important to run for the Corporation Commission seat. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to, to be in the studio virtually. Uh, yes, well, I'm a senior sustainability scientist at ASU. I've been at ASU for whew, almost 25 years now, and I, I run the public programming, but more importantly, I, I run Stardust Center for Affordable Homes and the Family, and, and that's a center that, that helps to build capacity among cities to connect housing and security to what we call the social determinants of health, be it education, food access, transportation, and, and even shade, because shade relates to all of those, those factors. And so, um, and I, I've developed a lot of water and energy and water energy projects while at the university as well. And then for Tempe, I'm a council member. I ran for office the, for the first time when I was 56 years old back in 2014. And I ran on a sustainability platform, and people thought I was crazy. They said, you know, you have to talk about public safety and, and parks and potholes. And, and I re- ran to really solarize my city and to create a city that would be resilient to the impacts of climate change and take advantage of all the opportunity that was out there, I thought, with renewable energy. So I could go into a lot of details about my accomplishments the city council, you know, one of it's not an accomplishment, but I lead the working group on short-term short-term rentals, and it has had existential bad bad impact on our city. And I know Sedona, you I, you guys are almost a poster child for that for that horrible legislation we, and we how are. it's impacted communities. Yeah. So, we are, and there are hundreds of in our little town of ten thousand. There are 
hundreds of uh, mm-hmm. short-term rentals. It's really mm-hmm. kind of depopulated Sedona. And, and uh, Karen lives in the village of Oak Creek, which is just sort of down the road. Mm-hmm. And it's affected you guys, too. Yeah, it's affected us, too. Of course, in my area of town, we have a couple of large homeowners associations that do not allow you to have short-term rentals. So a little, a little bit mm-hmm. different issue. But it's it all ties in together because in Sedona, um, since we have limited housing stock to start with, it's created a real problem with affordable housing for employees, you know, school teachers, mm-hmm. particularly um, anyone trying to work as a sort of an hourly wage in a business and, and has really been impacted by, by that effect. And I, you know, cause, because we had less housing available than the, than the cities down in your way do. And so there's almost no long term uh, ha- uh, rental housing available. Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. put a nail in that in that coffin. And um so most people who work in Sedona proper, I'm not sure about the VOC, don't don't live here. They live somewhere else where it's less right. expensive. Um, major people who are managing the city cannot find housing that they can afford in the city. Yeah. So it's it's not just it's, it's, poor folks. And it's but one example of where the legislature stepped in and interfered with local democracy. And I, I believe that local officials, that local governments that Local people, our residents in our neighborhoods know best. And we've seen this time and time again with the legislature. And, you know, I had many attempts that they would also almost look at the agenda of my our meetings and see what they wanted to preempt. It was almost comical. But I started to work on issues where they couldn't preempt, like campaign finance reform, because we have a state law and state finding in the, in the state court that says cities can run their own elections. The method and manner of their own elections is of local interest. That's why I turned to do a lot of election reform in my city, and we passed initiatives overwhelmingly to reduce the amount of money you could give to an election from 6250 to to only 500 for a city council election. And we passed a dark money reform measure. Probably sounds familiar because Terry Goddard is bringing that same initiative statewide. But that initiative just simply requires a dark money group spending money in our elections has to reveal who they are to the voters. And that one passed by 91.44% of the voters, showing that there's this overwhelming sense that, that money is having a pernicious effect on our politics in Arizona and elsewhere. How did the state legislature respond to that, or did they? Yeah, well, there's a, a bill called 1487, SB 1487, and it's called the Super Preemption Bill or <laughs> the mother of all preemption bills in the country because under that bill, a legislator from anywhere in Arizona can challenge any city, any town's authority and claim that their law or their ordinance is unconstitutional. And then it goes to the attorney general who can summarily decide or he can punt it to the state Supreme Court who will decide. And if the state decides that it is not in the interest of the state to have that law, you can take away city-state shared revenue. And this hasn't happened yet in terms of the revenue being taken away, but a lot of laws have been challenged, and it has this effect of chilling councils to not take action on issues like like short-term vacation rentals because they're afraid of having their state share revenue jeopardized. So it has this chilling effect that's, that's not good for our democracy. Yeah, it sounds like really good issues that you've, that yeah. you've worked on. I think there's, there are issues that are really important up here in northern Arizona. And uh, your commitment to those issues, I think, would resonate with, with the residents of, you know, of, of Sedona. 
Yeah, we know in the past, obviously, the office you're running for, the Corporation Commission has been in itself sort of a poster child for how campaign finance can distort an election. Was it eight years ago? I believe I can't remember which which election it was that that APS spent a humongous amount of money and essentially purchased two legislators who would vote their way and 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 lead with and and of course you are the corporation commission is sort of an independent body so it's sort of and we evolved upon APS to some degree to publicly say we're sorry we won't do that again which they seem to have been doing the last election they aren't just quite as as. We, in, we invited yeah. them on our show many times, APS, to come on and formally deny that they gave all this dark <laughs> money to candidates. <laughs> they never well, took us up on say, that. Because MSNBC came to Tempe. They wanted to do a story on our dark money bills, so they were interviewing me all around City Hall and in my car, and then we went to my rooftop because I have solar installed on my rooftop, and they said, okay, so give us a good example of where, where dark money has influenced an election in Arizona. Like, What's the scoop? And I said, well, the 2014 Corporation Commission race, Vander Kennedy had upwards of $14 million spent by the utilities, by APS, the parent company, Pinnacle West, to defeat her. And she had, had been serving on the commission and running for re-election. She was defeated. She came roaring back, though, in 2018. They've made a commitment not to be involved in the, AP, in the elections um, in a dark money way, but I think they're still intent and they're funneling more money to the state legislators because the state legislature is trying to weaken the corporation commission and take away its authority. So that's kind of a new tract. I think they got an awful lot of APS got an awful lot of pushback. Pinnacle Mm -hmm. West makes a lot of political contributions aside from it, from APS. Um, And uh, it's been an issue up here and I'm sure it's an issue down, down there. So you've worked on these, these issues that are very important to us. How will you take that approach to the Corporation Commission? Sure. Can we take a step back and talk about the Corporation Commission and what it does? Oh, sure. There may be some listeners. Yeah, so basically the commission's job is to ensure safe, reliable, and affordable utilities for the people of Arizona. That's it in a nutshell. And the commission, you referred to the fourth branch of government. It is it is a branch of government no one seems to know about. It's Five members. There are two members up for election. Uh, there's one vacancy, and uh, then Sandra Kennedy's running for re-election. So it's a five-member board with incredible power. And when you, you just boil it down to its basic essence, the job of the Corporation Commission, often called the Corpcom for short, is to make sure utility monopolies don't abuse their power. And uh, it was created in 1912 in the Arizona Constitution. And one of the most discussed issues in that constitution, I have a master's in public history, so this fascinates me, was if the Corporation Commission should be appointed or elected. They decided it should be elected office because they were worried at the time about the railroad lobbyists influencing the governor. Doesn't this sound familiar? And so does, they decided yes. it would be elected. So only 14 states have elected utility boards, essentially, and Arizona is one of them. So that to me is fascinating because in those days, you know, the, the railroads are also regulated by the by the Corporation Commission, as are securities and investments and gas and water companies. So this is, you know, a very powerful branch of government that actually impacts your life on a daily basis. Early Arizonans, particularly around the time they formed the Constitution of Arizona, were very much concerned about those issues and were mm-hmm. very populist oriented and want to make sure that the people had a kind of control of the government. 
now looking down more than a century later, it's, it's some of that has, has stayed with us and some not. So it's a four year term that you're running for in the, in the corporation commission. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I uh, did some research and I wanted to know how many people does the corporation commission have working for it? Um, does it have enough people mm-hmm. to do the job that it's supposed to do because it's got a complicated job? I think I think 363 pops into my head, but I'm not entirely sure. And uh, I know that, you know, like every state office, and I think there's, you know, strain there and staff uh, staff needs. I don't think we fully fund the Corporation Commission. I think they talked about preemption and legislative interference in democracies. There's also been movements in the legislature to restrict the powers of the commission, even discussion that we should make it an elective office appointed by the governor, which would be very hard to do. They have to go to the go to the voters. And I don't know if the voters would would act to reduce their influence, you know. But there's also discussion about taking away their authority to regulate uh, renewable energy standards, and that would be a devastating blow to the citizens of Arizona, to the residents. And you know, 15 years ago, Chris Mays and Bill Mundell, they're often called the mother and grandmother, or the mother and father, or the grandmother and grandfather of the Renewable Energy Standard, the RES, and the Energy Efficiency Standard. And we were leading the nation. Arizona, imagine that, was leading the nation in creating the Renewable Energy Standard. That was 15 years ago, and that was a 15% standard by 2025. I think we're at 17% um, renewable energy right now in the state. And we're the sunniest state in the nation. Yeah, we're only 14th in solar in solar deployment, and we also have the the largest electricity bills of, of any of the southwestern states. Some of my Republican opponents would like to say that it's that we're going to become like California if QB and Kennedy get elected, but in fact, California's electricity bills are less. So we need to really examine what the Corporation Commission is doing with their rate structure and how renewable energy can play such an important pivotal role in driving our state's economy towards a clean energy economy, and we could create fair electricity rates for our customers. I believe the charge of the uh, Corporation Commission is safe, reliable, affordable utilities, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. that's that's the job that most people focus on because you also, you know, if I, I form a corporation, I register it with you folks, right? right? Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of the uh, issues have been, too, at the Corporation Commission is a lot of the people that run, honestly, from a partisan point, more the Republicans run, and they seem to be representing the utility companies <laughs> when the utility companies come before yeah. them to ask for a rate increase and not representing the consumers. You know, that we have at the moment, we have Sandra Kennedy on the commission, Anna Tovar, who was elected two years ago and still has two years to run. So if you mm-hmm. get elected as well, we will, for the first time ever, have a Democratic majority, which will happen to be all women, on the commission, and basically three of five commissioners who look at things from the point of view of the consumers and the future as opposed to the profits of the corporations that come before them, which will be a change, in, in which was obviously the renewal energy standards that were passed 15 years ago were watered down year after year. In it wasn't last 15 so long years. ago we had just one Democrat on the commission, mm-hmm. right, yep. Karen? So, right. It was and, Sandra yeah, by and herself. The, yeah. You know, the commission has been referred to as the corruption commission because <laughs> the monopolies have handpicked the very regulators that regulate them. I don't think that sits well with, with her voters. And I know that Justin Olson, he happens to be leaving. He's going to run for, for Senate. But he reported 
he was the chief financial officer for Turning Point USA, which sent insurrectionists to the Capitol in, in droves. And he was reporting 50 hours a week working for them as, as chief financial officer while he was at the Corporation Commission. And it's a full-time job. So if you go down to the Corporation Commission, you'll see Senator Kennedy and Anna Tavar working hard at their desks. But somehow it's okay to have another full-time job, more than full-time job, when you're a commissioner. Like, that, that doesn't stand right with, with the voters either. It doesn't matter your party. When you, when you vote for someone, when they're your representative, you expect them to do the job they were elected to do. Which, of course, leads to the fact that you, um, Anna Tovar, when she ran, Sandra Kennedy, and, and several of the other Democrats have taken advantage. We, Arizona also has a you know, Clean Elections Commission, which is something the voters mm-hmm. put in some years ago to allow for public financing of legislative mm-hmm. and statewide campaigns. And I know that you and Sandra Kennedy are both running uh, with clean elections, which means you don't have to go out and ask anybody for money. In fact, nobody can donate more than money to you. The state will fund your campaign. I know you guys can collect seed money but that's like $165 a person for a contribution. Mm-hmm. So you are, are able to run and get elected and have no yeah. – nobody has, has paid for your election. It's your choice to run that way. Some Not everyone running for the Corporation Commission. Some of them run traditional campaigns, which is what happened in the past, where they're getting corporate money to run for a job where they're regulating right. corporations. Right. I'm drawing a blank. Can people give $5 to supporter to, yes. campaign? $5 or there's a small number of seed money where you can give 165 yeah. So, so it's, it's I launched a big my campaign chain. in August and I got my seed money in two weeks and I'm in the position where people sent me checks and I have to return, return them. So yeah. a politician returning checks? What's up with yeah. that? Sandra Kennedy, uh, she's still collecting her seed money. She, Her mom passed away. So sad. It was so sad at the end of the summer. So um, I got started a little earlier than her. So she's still collecting seed money, which is $180, but it's a maximum of 30000 So that helps you to run your campaign until you get your your um, publicly financed funds. So, yeah, I need about 10,000 signatures and $1,805 contributions. Um, I'm 75% toward my $5 contributions and about 50% towards my signatures. It's tough with COVID. You go on lots of Zoom meetings and, and people, you know, sign and go to the equal system, but not like they do when you go into a meeting and you meet people face to face, you know? Yeah, that's just and to remind so every, oh, anybody who's Sorry. listening, the equal system is a way you can sign uh, petitions for mm-hmm. statewide office and legislature and, other, and some of the other offices online. It's at the Secretary of State's office. If you go to its, you know, I forget, I know the uh, Secretary of State's office is azsos.gov and click on elections. Mm-hmm. You'll have to do several clicks. It will get you there. You can sign petitions for like Lauren Kuby and Sandra Kennedy online. You can make that $5 contribution online. They, what they, yeah, when you I do that, thought, they use your sorry, driver's license number. LaurenQB.com. Yeah. It will take you more directly okay, there. Yeah. LaurenQB.com. Okay, why don't you so give it? For, yeah. Lauren, you give it to that? Lauren, LaurenQB.com, right? It's your own website. Yes. And you got Yeah, and then uh, they. Then, yeah, and that system uses your driver's license to verify who you are and that you actually are a registered mm-hmm. voter. So it's, it's, you know, it's safe to use. It's verified. It's not part of this election fraud sort of things. Are but, there limitations <laughs> to it, Karen? Are there to what you can contribute online? I mean, in, in different kinds of issues and well, stuff? Or is it just for candidates? Um, if it's not a yeah, candidate, things ever the, the laws are all different. And you, this one, the five dollars is something specific you can do online through the through the state portal. You can't okay. anything else would be would right. be direct contributions. Right. And the rules are different 
as far as contributions for each office. And, you know, the reason we've all talked about dark money is a lot of that dark money, it's not somebody or a corporation or a person writing a check directly to a candidate. They're writing it to mm-hmm. a third-party organization who then runs ads saying vote for or vote against someone. And those are the organizations where nobody has to declare sometimes where that money comes and- from. And I think it's important to say, too, with dark money ads, one of, one of the things dark money ads do generally, they may not be pro a candidate. They'll just be very negative. And it has the effect of voter suppression because people become so disgusted with the TV ads and the attacks that they just turn off to politics. And I don't honestly think that's what some of the Koch brothers and people that put these ads out, that's what they want. They want to suppress the vote. Yeah, so I noticed that... The winners in the last Corporation Commission election uh, got about a million five hundred thousand votes, which is big, which is way down from, say, who votes for governor. And the mm-hmm. in the election before, it was about a hundred thousand votes. And uh, at least that's, that's that was what I got when I glanced at it. And I think that we always want to remind Democrats to vote down ticket because there's statistically Democrats fail to vote down ticket more than Republicans. Mm-hmm. It's a big issue for us in, 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 in Arizona. So if, if you vote, be sure to vote all the way down. And if you're in particularly Yavapai County up here, you're going to run into a lot of positions, right, Karen, that you, you can't vote for. There's only a Republican running. Well, this, the, there aren't any county offices on, on the ballot time, this, this year, time. so that will be a little bit yeah. different. Right. You've got the state legislative offices, um, the Corporation Commission, the governor, the secretary of state, the treasurer, all the statewide offices, so this year, and yeah. the legislature, and then uh, Mark Kelly as Senate. So there'll be a few a few less elected positions on the ballot. You won't see, you know, that an additional six, eight, seven, eight positions that are, you know, countywide. Those people aren't up for two more years. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I would say, like, instead of voting all the way down, flip it around. Start from the bottom, bottom and vote yeah. up. As an elected official, a local elected official, I realize how important local elections are. And you're right, there's people that are religious about voting down ballot, but people who just skip out on the other races, that they're, vote, they're skipping out on races that really impact their lives on a daily basis, like the Corporation Commission. I think sometimes people see, they see judges or they see um, smaller races, they have no idea, and they just get frustrated, like, I don't know who to vote for there, and then they just leave all of them um, blank. And, yeah, it's so important to flip it around, start from the bottom, and move on up. Yeah, that's what we tell people to be sure that they look at the state legislative races. As you mentioned, you know, the state legislature in Arizona in its you know, current makeup and past years has been re- mm-hmm. really determined to uh, take power away from other elected bodies, you know, like the corporation commission, the cities, the counties, and sort of centralize power into the mm-hmm. – so it's important for people to look at the state legislative races – because they, they that's you know that has a real effect. And in Sedona, the the uh, city council, city and the council. mayor are up, are yeah. up, the mayor and school I think board, three fire city board. council board. Yeah. And Karen's been on the the school board for a very very yeah. long time. Um, are you going to mm-hmm. run again? No, I don't know yet. Okay, but, <laughs> but all these yeah. important local yeah. elections, folks, be sure to to get involved in. Yeah. So and they say another thing about clean elections. Mm-hmm. The beauty of clean elections is that. I'll get my signatures and my fives hopefully by early January. I can turn my attention away from that, you know, small fundraising, 1,800 unique people giving $5, but just focus on what I need to focus on, which is going to every small town, every city, every county, every Indian community in the, in the state and listening to people. So I don't waste my time running around raising, raising money from, um, 
from people, but I'm actually talking to the voters and talking to people who have, who have interests in this race. Can you remind us again, how much money does this Clean Elections Commission uh, pay out for a statewide office like you're running for? Sure. So, so it's roughly like 150000 for the primary and 150 for the general. So it's a total of 300000 and And Sandra and I intend to combine our resources. We're going to have joint signs together, not separate signs. That means road signs and, street, mm-hmm. and uh, yard signs. And we're going to do joint radio ads and work together, you know, all throughout this race. I'm going to represent her as a surrogate. She'll be representing me. It's all for one and one for all. And we're, it's QB and Kennedy for CorpCom. Yeah, and you think when looking at that amount of money, comparing what you hear about money raised on some other, other races and things, is that last, two years ago, we elected, or uh, two years ago, we elected Anna Tovar to the commission running clean. Mm-hmm. Four years ago, we elected Sandra Kennedy, who ran clean. And we also, four years ago, elected... Um, Kathy Hoffman to be uh, uh, superintendent of public instruction, also running as a clean elections candidate. Right. So we've known in the past it is possible to run a statewide campaign when you get people and, and the volunteers and you get out there and you get everybody involved and they know what's going on. So it's you don't necessarily need to have millions and millions of dollars to but get that's elected. That's the trade-off, yeah. right? Less money if you run clean than you can probably raise, particularly if you're you know. Uh, industry friendly <laughs> um, and uh, dark money friendly. I mean, uh, uh, it. So you, what I hear you say is you have more time to talk to the voters, which I think is what is important yeah. about American democracy. Because, but you'll have mm-hmm. less money than maybe somebody running from running. Yeah, uh, and we'll focus. We won't be, you know, we won't be sending out a lot of mail. A lot of mail that gets trashed, I think. But we'll be doing a lot of digital ads and radio ads and you know we're running as strong consumer advocates as two women that will will question the system you know the utilities have their thousand dollar an hour lawyers well Sandra and I have incisive questioning minds and I'm deeply connected to the university system and all the expertise and innovations going on in the universities and you know we we have for the I won't say it's for the first time but I think people are understanding in Arizona that we are facing unbelievable pressures, whether it's the extremity and intensity of the wildfires, mega drought, or the, on all the water constraints that are going to come with that, and um, an extreme heat. And central Arizona especially, the extreme heat is affecting populations in a tremendous way. And so I think people understand that we're in a crisis, and with the climate crisis comes opportunity, and we have to seize on that. And the job potential, you can't outsource energy efficiency jobs. You can't you can't outsource insulation, solar insulation jobs. Those are jobs that will stay in our community. We have only 56,000 renewable energy jobs in the state right now. We should have triple, quadruple that. And so there's enormous opportunity. Um, if we get some funding from the Biden reconciliation plan, the infrastructure plan, there's going to be money that we will be bringing into the state to help to really advance that clean energy economy. But we need to be ready for it, and we're not. You mentioned water. What's the role of the commission in uh, water uh, in Arizona, which is a big yeah, so, issue down there, is a big issue up here. Yes, and, and uh, the commission regulates all the non-municipal water utilities, so it's it's the private and the, the utility monopolies in, in different areas. So there's 253 different water companies the commission regulates, and there's oftentimes those those water utilities have not been updating their infrastructure, have not been up, updating their irrigation systems that they use, and and um, don't provide rebates to customers to encourage them to conserve. So there's a great role that the commission plays. It's highly complex. I think the commission needs to get out there more into the communities, 
in which it serves and have more events so people can be aware of the role they play in water and electricity. And every time you, you flip on your electricity, you flip on a light switch, or you run water, for many communities in the state, the Corporation Commission has something to say about that. And we often see that customer service can be really poor in, in some of these smaller towns, and we need to also keep our eye, our eye on that and make sure that customer service is up to par and the commission can can help to make sure that that the, the utilities are responding appropriately to its customers. And it would seem, even though you don't regulate everything, and Arizona's got this complicated mix of federal, state, tribal authorities regulating different different aspects of what we think of sort of utilities in the environment, the Corporation Commission is sort of a great bully pulpit to get out there and be a leader in talking about renewable energy and talking about conservation and helping to spark uh, innovation and changes even on the parts of the state that you don't directly regulate. You don't directly regulate the Salt River Project water in Phoenix. Obviously, issues on the tribal lands are different, but having the Corporation Commission can be a real a real voice to sort of encourage all of these parts of Arizona to get out and innovate. We know we've got universities who are working on all kinds of innovative aspects to do with energy and with water, and we you know the Corporation Commission should be the voice. And bringing all these parts of people together, even on the things you don't directly regulate, you know, that nobody else in the government has that sort of specific remit to talk about energy. There's yeah. availability of water and there's the safety of water resources. So you have uh, some uh, charge to take care of um, non-municipal water sources that the uh, that mm-hmm. the uh, that the water safe so forth and so on. I mean, there's many federal, like Karen said, there's so many federal and state agencies, I don't know. But but you have a, a, a charge to make sure that uh, uh, things are not only safe, but also affordable, right? Yeah, that's, that's a really important part of it. Um, we run the rate cases. I'm looking so forward when I'm done with my petitions, there's a rate setting class that goes on for a few weeks that I intend to take. I mean, it's a highly technical job. You need someone there who can understand that the, the highly technical aspects of water and energy and its interrelationship because Lord knows that water and energy are deeply connected, interconnected issues in, in the state of Arizona. And you need people on there who are going to ask those tough questions. And you think I was thinking about gas pipelines when you're talking about some of the issues facing us, but with climate change, we're seeing the deterioration of those pipelines and we've seen explosions in Coolidge, for example, that killed someone and killed a, a child as well. And we need to be on top of that and ensure that the, the gas companies are maintaining their pipelines um, with all the stresses that the pipelines are facing with extreme heat and, and, and it's not happening. We're seeing a lot of, uh, we're seeing a high volatility with gas prices. We're also seeing pipelines exploding. And that, that can't be. <laughs> People are dying. No, I think that's an important aspect. Everybody, when they think about the Corporation Commission, that is if they think about mm-hmm. the Corporation Commission, and we try to get people to think about it, um, thinks about electricity. They don't think about water and gas usually, which are also part of the, part of the mix. Yeah. yeah, I said once if we uh, – when you get elected and we reelect Sandra and we'll have Anna Tovar, we will have, like I said, for the first time have a Democratic majority on – on the commission, right. and which means three people who are looking at these issues of renewable energy and looking at all the things you've been talking about. What do you sort of see is what would you like to do first after you know, you're inaugurated next January in January of 2023? <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, 
I love that thought. So, um, well, one issue is actually before the commission now, but I don't think it will make headway, is this idea of just transitioning, a just transition docket. So um, we're leaving a like, pretty significant burden on our coal communities, and we need, to, we need rural reinvestment. And that investment should come from utility profits, not from the stakeholders. So for, for decades, we've been extracting from the Navajo Nation and other Indian communities, and we have one-third of the Navajo Nation not having running water or electricity. And some may choose not to have running water or electricity to maintain a traditional lifestyle, but the fact is that industry has been so extractive and damaging. And now that we've closed down the NGS, the Navajo Generating Station, which was the right thing to do, we left a lot of people out of work. And so we need to have those utilities invest in those communities, not just renew- renewable energy projects, because that will create short-term jobs, a lot of jobs, but a lot of short-term jobs, because renewables are way cheaper to maintain and operate. But we need to invest in the communities in the way they'd like to see that investment, whether it's education um, with community colleges or workforce development, whatever it is that that community wants to, to become, you know, revitalized as, a, as an economy, we need to be on top of that. And that's been ignored by the commission. And it is a, a desperate need out there in the Indian communities. It's so shocking on, a, on the Navajo reservation, some of the things you see. I've been on a, out to a Navajo Diné ranch, and the electric poles come right up to the ranch, but they never connected the people up. And they wanted to be connected up, but they never connected it. There's mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, half-done measures up there. If I go to maybe one ranch and see it, it's going to be a lot of that out there. So I'm glad that you're you're thinking about that. I think that, you know, uh, Karen and I would say if the, you're the first statewide candidate that we've interviewed and you're running for corporation commission. It tells you how much import, how important we think the corporation commission mm-hmm. and your candidacy is. Yeah, because we all know yeah. the issues we all talk about nationally, the you know the infrastructure plan, some of the other plans that the Biden administration would like to pass, all talk about mm-hmm. climate change. They talk about energy and energy independence, all of these issues. And we know that a lot of people in northern Arizona are aware of these issues. We have a lot of people here who are aware of the effects of closing the Navajo generating station on the economy, you know, in that corner of Arizona. And mm-hmm. but people forget that this is the office that has some really direct effect on the regulations that would encourage alternate energy and renewals, encourage these various things, a loud voice to help encourage. I know APS was one of the partners in the Navajo Generating Station to you guys on the Corporation Commission have a about to sort of push APS towards reinvestment up there as opposed to using yeah. their profits in some you know some other way and people don't and understand was, you're the hands-on group on this issue and when i was elected to the council in in 2015 i had intended to fully solarize my city the community solar and uh solarizing our operations we have a hundred percent renewable energy goal in the city of tempe but we're only 18 percent toward that hundred percent goal and it's because the utilities don't have the incentive to work with us and create larger scale solar. They, they killed rooftop solar because they said large scale solar is, is the ticket. So, okay, let's assume that you're correct. Bring us these projects. Work with us on these projects. And that was the main, I mean, I love city politics. I love city issues. But as a city council member, I'm frustrated at the lack of progress. So at a statewide level, if we can increase our renewable energy standard, we can require them Therefore, incentivize them to work with cities and towns to solarize and to take, you know, rooftop solar is one piece of that 
puzzle that has been obliterated. We need to bring back more rooftop solar, make it more economical and beneficial, not just to, not just to, um, you know, homeowners that can afford to pay out of pocket in one fell swoop, but, you know, be able to put it into the mortgage and such. So in addition to the just transition work I like to do, we have to work on energy efficiency in our state. It is, it is the least costly resource. I think Amory Lovins, who's one of my heroes in the energy world, he says uh, energy efficiency efforts will get you 26% of the way there, you know, towards a 100% goal. And utilities are not investing in energy efficiency as much as they should because they don't get a profit from investing in energy efficiency. So uh, we need to really do double down on that investment. And then community solar, uh, it's not only good for the environment, but enables renters to gain the benefit of solar. It shouldn't just be homeowners that can gain the benefit of solar. The cost of coal has gone so up so far. The market has determined coal is not viable. The solar is so much cheaper. Well, it shouldn't just be people who own homes who, who have the benefits of solar. You should be able to buy into community solar programs as well. What happened with rooftop um, solar? Uh, tell our listeners a little bit about this fight about rooftop solar or to have more industrial solar. And tell us uh, mm-hmm. what the forces were and, and what was the, the gist of the whole thing. How did it play out? Yeah, so in, in 2015, uh, the utilities, uh, APS and, and SRP in um, Tempe land in our territory, they decided to, they didn't, they killed rooftop solar essentially by just changing the rate structure. And I think they, they felt that it, it really wasn't part of their business plan, that it was not a controllable factor. They couldn't really see its, um, they, they couldn't really harness it and be able to control the percentages as the years went on. And, and it, they want surety, you know, they want to have surety in their decision-making. So um, they argued that, you know, large-scale solar was, was more effective, cheaper in the long run, and would be the way to go. And that was, you know, a devastating blow to those of us who believe that there should be some measure of energy autonomy. And if you look at the rooftop solar picture, it was very slowly developing. And it wasn't a threat to their business model until, well, maybe, you know, 20, 2040 or something. But they felt that it was a threat to their um, reliability of their power. Because if everyone was on solar in one instant, then you might, might not have reliable power, you know, at the end of the day when the sun goes down. But to me, that, that problem was way off. And solar batteries and the, de- the development of other solar technologies are going to get us there. And it's my mind that we need every tool in the toolbox that we have to have rooftop solar, large-scale solar deployment, large-scale energy efficiency measures that we need to do it all. And um, we also have to look at solar battery storage, which is not just maybe not quite ready for prime time for, for to go 100% today, but it's developing in a rapid clip. So to sum up your campaign, your focus is really on on solar and renewable energy and 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 encouraging the commission to focus on those issues and encourage the kind of renewable energy. I think most folks know that there's a greater percentage of renewable energy in Germany than there is in Arizona Mm -hmm. and And in New Jersey than there is in Arizona. (laughs) So it seems like a very reasonable focus. You think so? We're the sunniest state in the nation, and we should really harness that energy uh, to be to be the, the state that leads the way. We, we are poised to lead the way, and we will be seeing investments from the federal government, and we, we need to be able to jump on those investments. But we need people on the commission who are going to put working families and families first, and consumers first, and ask the tough questions because 
you know, if, if we're up to the utilities, they'd want the ratepayers to pay for these different investments. And if you look at, say, the Four Corners plant, which APS purchased years ago, uh, they're now asking for relief. They want to be able to to close out that plant, which is a good thing, but they want the ratepayers to pay for it and not and not pay for it with their profits. They made a bad decision, a bad investment a few years ago. So ratepayers shouldn't be held responsible for the bad investment decisions that um, the APS made. Now, like we're sort of running down, just want to remind everybody to go to laurenkuby.com so you can sign Lauren's you know, uh, petition. You can make the $5 contribution. Um, what, you know, what is Sandra Kennedy's website for? Is it Her, her website's not up yet, but um, when you go to the equal, my site will take you to the equal site, Secretary of State site, yeah. and you can give clean elections contributions to Kathy Hoffman, myself, Sandra. We're the three statewide yeah. candidates running clean. Yeah. And, when, and uh, she'll have her website up soon. Yeah. And when you go to that website, it will take you, it will show every petition you can sign from all the different parties. That's if you've right. already signed it, it will, it will tell you, you already signed this petition, so you can't sign twice. And you can't accidentally sign when it, when we get, uh, our legislative petitions aren't, you know, no one is up on that one. But you can't sign for someone that you aren't eligible to vote for. The you know, the site is, is pretty simple once you get to it. It will tell you what you've already signed. It will show you everyone's petition it i think it has the, actually a, a website or some info you know, you can click for more information it's it's it's, a, it's very user friendly it's very a big user improvement friendly. over the situation a few years ago where everything had to be done on paper, paper. <laughs> this is um this yeah. is uh well worth thinking about folks not only with uh, uh lauren's campaign but with uh, other campaigns too yeah. about how to contribute that was another issue that came up in the legislature to allow you know, municipal and county officials also huh. to do online signing to expand that system because the Secretary of State's office has a system that's up and it works and to expand it out to the counties. And hopefully it's at some future legislature that will be something that happens so that we can make it a lot easier if we can all sign everyone's petition from home well, rather than having can, to, to search out. Yeah, you know, city, city council candidates do have the potential and equal. What's yeah. frustrating to me as someone who wants to see progress in our state is that candidate Sorry, ballot initiatives and referenda cannot be signed online. And that's, you know, obviously the, the legislature yeah. does not want to see ballot yeah. initiatives. That, come to the yeah, ballot. another change that all, we would all like just in the, for the virtue <laughs> of allowing everybody to vote for everything and open up voting to as it should be that everybody mm-hmm. can vote and remove all the, the confusion and suppression and complications. No, they definitely do not want the. They do not want these uh, initiatives to um, to get out there. And in fact, they've done some incredibly strange and weird crossing out of signatures and stuff. Yeah. So I'd, we'd like to thank Lauren uh, yeah. for being with us today. Give her our website again, Karen. Yes, laurenkuby.com, and that will take you to the Secretary of State's website so you can, you can read all about Lauren, you can make your you know, contributions, and tell, tell all your friends that that's the easy way to sign these petitions. It's a real help. Everyone gets all their petition signatures and the $5 done early, then they can all concentrate. As Lauren said, all the candidates are actually going out and talking to the voters about what they want to accomplish when they're elected. Um, some of our supporters, Democrats of the Red Rocks and mm-hmm. Sedona, you can go on their website and they'll tell you about the un- upcoming breakfast, for example. Yeah. They're still doing uh, virtual breakfast. They have a lot of interesting things, including a film series. So yeah. if you're interested in, well, issues, yeah. and if you're interested in issues in Sedona and the Verde Valley, that's a good place, yeah. place to go. Democrats of the Red Rocks. 
And the other place is uh, uh, Yavapai Democratic Party has an excellent website. So if you want information. And both of those have a lot of their meetings are available to, to view later through YouTube or to download, just like all the past Democratic perspective shows are available to download if you miss one. There's a major meeting coming up. I believe it's on Tuesday about the, one of the focus is going to be about ATVs and the noise yeah, issues the Sedona in Sedona. City the Sedona City yeah. Council. Sedona City Council, you can go there and you can speak for, I think it's four or five minutes, but you can also listen to it on Zoom. You can watch the whole council meeting. So if you're interested in the issue of ATVs, the noise in the city and in destruction that's going on in the national forest around us, that's a good place to go. You have to be realistic. The, the city of Sedona has no ability to... Um, manage or control or uh, ATVs when they're out in the forest. But they can help in the city, hopefully. You've been listening to Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show focusing on the political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and our nation at large. Catch us every Monday morning after the 8 a.m. news, right here on AM 780 KAZM. It's beautiful out there, folks. Have a great day.